Good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. If you're visiting with us, we trust that uh, and pray that your, uh, your presence here will be a blessing to you. Uh, you're certainly a blessing to us because you have chosen to worship with us here today. I'm going to begin the message this morning. Actually, our time together, there's, uh, there's no children's church. They're already upset. Well, no children's, children's sermon. They're already up in children's church. How many of you, and I mean this very seriously because I'm going to talk right to the point here in just a moment, are aware that there is a major conflict in the world right now. Now, now we can ignore it, right? But it's not going to go away. And what I'd like to do this morning for a very, very brief moment, and actually I have, I, I believe, I'm going to go ahead and, um, Adam, I think I would like to get with you and uh, set aside maybe a Sunday evening here in the next couple, three weeks where we can take a look at the Middle East from a biblical perspective. What do you think? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But uh, folks, let's understand something very clear. The Jewish nation will prevail because God has ordained it so. Israel is God's timepiece. We're not here to predict. Obviously, we all know better than that. But there are certainly indicators that, uh, well, every day. Just remember this. Tomorrow, we're going to be closer to the coming of Christ than we are today. Unless he comes today. Right? So we'll leave it there. And the other question is, and, and prophecy will be fulfilled. It will be, and that's what we could go over sometime at a, at a more opportune moment. All the prophecies that have been given to Israel, and a couple, three of them yet to be fulfilled. But Israel is not the only one at war. Make no doubt about it, America is at war. America is at war, and we need to be a people of prayer, diligent prayer. I just want to give you a very quick example, and I want to get to the message, but, but please allow me this moment. Right now, there are two carrier battle groups in the Mediterranean. And if we don't think we're at war, just think about this for a moment. Every carrier battle group consists of one aircraft carrier, two cruisers, one or three destroyers, and one frigate or supply ship. Okay? That's seven vessels. That's a total of 7,500 sailors and or Marines on each carrier group. That means right now we have 15,000 troops off the coast of Israel. America is at war, folks. And they're taking down missiles being fired out of Yemen and other places. And probably a lot of things, I am absolutely confident, a lot of things we don't know is going on right now. But God's people will prevail. And so will the church because we're God's people. Okay? But there are certain covenants yet to be fulfilled with Israel. I want to give you a very quick example of hope. In this morning's news, I read this and I'm going to share it with you. Son of Hamas leader breaks silence on decision to denounce terror group 
and he says, quote, they don't care regarding Palestinians. Mossab Hassan Youssef, who spied in favor of the Israelis and sought asylum in the U.S., spoke out on his decision to leave the life of terror behind and explain what he believes Israel should be doing. You see, Mossab converted to Christianity. The son of one of the founders of Hamas is now one of us, a believer in Christ, and has been for quite some time. But I'm not, that's all the further I'm going to read. The article appeared in Fox News this morning. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can. But isn't it amazing, in the midst of all of this, we see God's present. God's presence. And folks, take heart. Jesus is coming soon. But that's the good news. What's the bad news? It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Can everybody say praise the Lord? It's going to get worse right before the best comes. Right before the best comes. So thank you all for your patience and that very brief introduction. We may uh, get back with you on some more as we uh, go over the next couple, three weeks. I would like you to be praying a personal prayer for me, please. Uh, I mentioned my cousin, uh, Marie Linick. I uh, went to visit her uh, Friday at uh, a facility in Emporia. Uh, she is not long for this world. She's 71. She's a year older than me. Uh, and uh, she's going to be going home to the Lord here within the next very few days. So be praying for Marie. And then her husband is also being treated for uh, leukemia, uh, cancer. And so very difficult time in the Linick family right now. But I would covet your prayers. Next Sunday, Youth Sunday. And we're going to be having a, uh, a time together focused on worship. Worship. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word, Father, that uh, can provide absolute and assured guidance through these perilous times that we live in. Father, we do pray for the nation of Israel. We do pray for the peace of Israel. And we know that ultimately that will only come when Jesus returns. But Father, we thank you. I, I just thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of living in these times. What a day. What an opportunity. What a moment for the church to shine its brightest in a very dark, dark world. Father, we lift up those who are hurting, those who are healing those who are facing trials, and those who are just coming out. But, Father, most of all, we thank you for Jesus, our precious Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at a blind man, a, a story, an account that may be familiar, might be to most people here, but I think it's worth looking at again. This scripture has really spoken to me in the last couple of weeks. This is going to be the second time I've preached it in the last couple of weeks, and uh, Michelle wants me to keep preaching it until I get it right. So, but the Lord laid it on my heart to bring the message this morning, and I pray that he will bless this time as we grow and learn, as we all grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A blind man with 20-20 vision. Today we look at a man named Bartimaeus. His story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
we will be using Mark's account as our primary, but combining all three to get the full picture of this great event. And we are going to work the text together. We will read through Mark's account, then we're going to go back and walk through the five key components of this event. Are you ready? All right. Would you please stand at the reading of God's Word? In honor of your word, Lord, we stand, and may we hear. From Mark 10, beginning in verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pause. And everybody together cry out with Bartimaeus, son of David. Have mercy on me. That's where we start. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Father, again, we come to ask for your favor and your blessing upon the reading of your word. May it penetrate to the very depth of our heart and soul. And may it do the work that you intended it to do in each of our lives. In Jesus' name and for his glory, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we're going to jump right into the text, guys, because we've got five blanks to fill out. And we can't leave here till we have all five blanks filled out. Amen? Amen? The first thing we want to look at this morning is the cry. The cry. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Matthew tells us that there are two beggars, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus possibly the loudest of the two or the most vocal, draws the attention of both Mark and Luke, where he is named by Mark. So the first thing I want us to do this morning, we're going to begin with a pop quiz. What is Bartimaeus doing? Begging. All right. Give yourself an A. Why is Bartimaeus begging? He's blind. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar. Okay. Now we think, well, that's silly, preacher. Get on with the message. No, we got to understand this. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar. A blind beggar has no means of making a living whatsoever. He has no way of supporting himself or any other family members that he might have. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar because the only way a blind man makes it through life is to beg. 
okay? So Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, is sitting by the road. A blind beggar has needs. Begging is how he meets his need. A crowd walks by. How many crowds had walked by him before? Anybody know? Yeah. We, we don't have a clue. But a bunch. A bunch of crowds has walked by Bartimaeus before. He is ignored. He is ridiculed. He is rejected. He is mocked. He is mostly just ignored while he sits by the road and blinds every once in a while and begs every once in a while somebody would stop and, and put a coin in whatever he had there for a vessel to contain that. But, but think about this. This is his life. This is all he has. He sits on a dirty, dusty old road day after day and just think as people walk by, as carts go by, as donkeys go by, as crowds go by, what's he eating all day long? Dust. Dust. Blind Bartimaeus sitting by the road begging, ignored, rejected, mocked, ridiculed. Are you there? Have you been there? But things are about to change. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And listen to this. Listen to this. Get this, please. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Brothers and sisters, that's powerful. That's powerful. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, what is Bartimaeus asking for? This is critical to our story. What is he asking for? What is his first cry? Have mercy on me. Wait a minute, he's blind. Why in the world wouldn't he start out with recover my sight? No, he doesn't. His first prayer, his first request is for mercy. Mercy. Do you hear? You hear his cry? Can you hear it? Have you been there? Have those words ever passed over your lips? Jesus, son of David, Lord, have mercy on me. We've established the cry. Now let's take a look at the crowd. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and I would think he cried out all the more would clearly indicate not only more crying, but louder. He's, he's, his, his, his cries are getting more volume. They're more desperate. They're more emphatic. He wants somebody to hear his cries, specifically Jesus of Nazareth, Son of David. And so he cries all the more. And what is the crowd's response? Shut up. That isn't what the text says. Actually, I think that's a close translation of the original Greek. Shut up. And please keep that in context of our message here. They rebuked him. They rebuked him and told him to be silent. Brothers and sisters, we are in the age right now where the crowds have risen up against those who are crying out for the mercy of God. And we're in an age right now where the world is telling you and me to shut up. Are you? 
Are you going to get silent just to appease the crowds? We got to make a choice. Remember, remember this crowd, the ones that just rebuked this blind beggar and told him to sit down, sit there, and just be quiet. Remember who they're with. They are following Jesus. They're with Jesus. Or were they? Or were they with Jesus? The crowd has a plan. The crowd doesn't have time for a sorry old blind beggar. What's more, we got more important things to do. How dare you interrupt our parade with your needs? Do you hear him? Does it happen sometimes in the church where we're so focused on where we're going, wherever that is, Please, please don't anybody come to me with a need today. I'm busy in ministry. Oh, we must be careful. All of us must be careful. How dare you interrupt? So what did Bartimaeus do? He cried out all the more. <laughs> he cried out all the more. What? Did he cry out for, let's say it one more time, mercy. We got the cry. We got the crowd. Now let's meet the Christ. Let's meet the Christ. And Jesus stopped. Oh, boy, here it goes. Guys, my friends, brothers and sisters, please capture this moment. Jesus stopped. And said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Look at this. Jesus stopped. The creator and sustainer of the universe stopped. Everything he was doing, he stopped. This is God, very God, all God, stopped right in the middle of a dusty old road and said, wait a minute, there's a need. There's a need. Jesus stopped. Let's all of us take a second. Just, just, just take a second. And, and if you want, close your eyes. I don't want to play no silly game here, but just imagine, imagine you're sitting in the dirt alongside the road and Jesus stops and looks at you. He's looking right at you. He stopped right in front of you. God, this is God. And he's right in front of you right now. He stopped. Nothing was more important in that moment than a blind beggar on the side of the road. So here we are. Let's decide who we're following, the crowd or the Christ. The crowd or the Christ. You see, the crowd never has time. They're too busy. Jesus has time for one blind beggar. So who is really blind in our story? 
Do you see it? Bartimaeus can see just fine, guys. His spiritual vision is 2020, right in focus, right at the, at the right person, at the right time. The crowd was the blind one in the story. Amen, let's have the altar call. I would, but you got a couple more blanks to fill out. Bartimaeus had no physical sight, but his spiritual sight was perfect. So what did Jesus say? He said, call him over here. The crowd said, shut up. Jesus said, get up. Do you see it? Jesus will meet Zacchaeus in just a little bit. And, and I'm going to capture a moment from the prison a couple of weeks ago. He's going to meet Zacchaeus in just a little bit, and he's going to have to tell Zacchaeus to get down. So you're either going to have to get up or get down. And right after they got done with the sermon at Lansing, an inmate comes up, put his hands on my shoulder, and he said, you have to tell Lazarus to come out. I said, okay, you got to get up, get down, or come out. What are you going to do? But do you see Jesus is calling us to motion to do something, to respond. He is standing there inviting you and me to get up and come near. Get up and come near. The Son of God has stopped right in front of us because he heard that Jesus was passing by. So when the crowd says, sit down, Jesus says, get up. When the crowd says, shut up, Jesus says, speak up. Do you need to get up, speak up, get down, or come out this morning? What you going to do? What you going to do? Jesus has stopped just for you. We got the cry. We got the crowd. We got the Christ. Now we have the compassion. The compassion. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, let me, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Get the text. Threw off his cloak and sprang up. Bartimaeus couldn't see, but he could hear. He could hear and he could jump. Now, how many? I, I don't know. Tarzan, could you? Uh, who in here is able to spring up? This morning, that might narrow the crowd just a little bit. Get the there. We got one that can spring up right there. He sprang up, guys. You see, Jesus called. Now he could have wallowed around a little bit. He could have kind of rolled over. He could have meandered. No, I picture this guy saying, "Whoa!" This springing up, throwed off that old dirty, dusty cloak, and went to Jesus. Went to Jesus. You see, he could get up and go to Jesus because Jesus had stopped. Jesus had stopped. He didn't have to run to catch up. All he had to do was go to. And that's where salvation begins, guys. That's where the sight comes from. You got to go to Jesus. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to run away. He's not going to be too busy for you. He is simply going to stop until we respond. We'll either ignore him or run to him. But he's telling us to get up. To get up. And then he asked this really ridiculous question. What do you want, Bartimaeus? 
What do you want? What can I do for you? Now, this is, this is an interesting question, and we don't have time to really work it all the way through because sometimes we're, we really need to be cautious about throwing out a bunch of selfish requests for Jesus, like he's, uh, you know, the, 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 the guy with the magic wand or the genie in the bottle or something like that. We, we, and we absolutely do not want to go that route. But Jesus asked a very penetrating question, what do you want me to do for you? Brothers and sisters, we've got to think about that for a minute. This is a serious question. This can be a life and death question right here. What do you want me to do for you? We got to answer that, guys. Because sometimes if we're not on the flippant side of prayer request, we're on the denial side of prayer request. And we're not honest with Jesus. We're not honest with him. It's time to tell Jesus what you need. He has stopped. He is calling you. Get up and go to him. He wants to hear what you need. The crowd says, stay away. Jesus says, come near. Verse 52. And the final point. We have heard the cry, haven't we? We've heard him. We've met the Christ. We've, we've, we've seen the compassion. We've seen all of these things coming. We've, we've visited the crowd. But something is going to change. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Matthew says, and Jesus in pity touched his eyes and immediately recovered their sight and followed him. Luke says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, God prayed, gave praise to God. That's the moment. This is so important. And Jesus said, go your way, but Bartimaeus' way has changed along with his sight, you see. Go your way, Bartimaeus, and immediately he followed him on the way. Do you see it? Bartimaeus' way had changed. His way was not the old way. His way was the new way. He wasn't going the same old way he had gone the last whatever many years in all of his life. He wasn't going to go that way anymore. He was going to go the way of Christ. This is commitment. In our invitation, we're beginning to, to enter in to where we identify in this story. The way of Bartimaeus is now the way of Christ. He is no longer a beggar beside the road. He is a follower of Jesus Christ. He is no longer begging for needs. His needs have been met, and he's glorifying God in all that he does and says. You see, folks, we are Bartimaeus. We're every bit Bartimaeus. Have you received mercy? Have you received mercy? 
You see, without Jesus, we are poor, wretched, and blind. But Jesus is stopping for you this morning. He is calling you to come to him. He is telling you to get up and come there and tell him what you need. He may not pass this way again, but he is here now, stopped right in front of us, asking you, what can I do for you? What is your greatest need today? Tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. Just a little bit earlier in Luke's account here, same chapter, chapter 18, we have another quick story, and I'll read that to you. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Do you see it? Praising God that he's exalted himself above all. He's a member of the crowd, by the way. Sure glad I'm not like that filthy old bum sitting along the road begging for money. Amen. Glory to God. I'm glad I'm not like him. It isn't funny, is it? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, remember, he's the one that nobody wants to be like. Right? The tax collector. Standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What a prayer. What a prayer. And Jesus closes the story with this. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What are we going to do with Bartimaeus? What are we going to do with this story? We're going into a time of prayer. It's a time of silent consideration. And the first thing that we need to confirm with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we know exactly why we need the mercy of God. That'd be a good song, wouldn't it? Good song. I was blind, and now I see. I remember a couple of weeks ago, a couple of, a couple of inmates began to pray, and pretty soon one of them was on the floor, on his face, on a dirty old concrete floor, tile floor, whatever it was, and just weeping. And then I, I got to tell you, this, this, this big old boy, big old black guy, brother in Christ, dearly loved, come over and grab me and hug me, and I'm going... <laughs> right away because there were guys on the floor who couldn't walk past him, Gary. We 
because they knew what Bartimaeus was all about. Every one of them knew. Folks, we got to understand we are Bartimaeus. Quit ignoring him along the way and realize that's us sitting there. If the Lord hadn't a stopped in front of Elvin Dillard, he'd still be begging and eating dirt for the rest of his life. But Jesus stopped at 200 West 14th Street in Auburn, Kansas in 1983. He stopped and said, get over here, boy. Get up. Get up. What do you want? What do you want? Guys, that's a simple testimony to draw attention not to me, but to the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've never had that conversation with Jesus Christ, you need to have it this morning. And we need to get over this stuff called religious pride and start weeping before the Lord and praying for his mercy and asking him to empower us and show us a new way of life, a new way of living. We need to be the people that God calls us to be and it comes through repentance. God, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And boy, watch what he does next. Watch what he does next. Now listen, there's gonna be all kinds of words flying this morning because the minute that happens, a bunch of people is going to spring up and they're going to call us Pentecostal. Right? But I'm telling you, it's time to spring up. It's time to spring up and respond to what Christ is asking us to do. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word, these, these great events recorded without flaw, without error, to lead us in the way of righteousness, to bring us closer to you, maybe for the first time to get up out of the dirt and the dust and the rejection and the loneliness and all of those things that are part of us because we don't have you in our lives. Father, I pray that today Grace Community Church could believe in unity saying, Jesus stopped for me this morning. And I wasn't about to let him pass me by. Thank you, Father, for the work that you've done and the work that you're going to do in all the days to come until your son comes to get us.